it will arise as once before, in ages past when magic soared, passing o'er the world shore to shore, the wind, the fury again shall roar. Welcome to the Swan Song Podcast by Eamon Cottrell and Brian Stallings. The Swan Song Podcast is an episodic audiobook for the fantasy novel John Swansong and the Parada Isle. Episode 6 John sat down on the front steps. He was exhausted after cleaning the entire house, preparing a stew for the two of them, and sweeping the large porch. His pa would be home soon, he knew, and he wanted everything to be perfect when he asked for the day off from his regular chores tomorrow. He and Rat needed the extra time to get the smoke dust from Tice and to put it to good use. It was almost dusk, and John could smell the stew through the open front door mixed with many delicious odors wafting through the evening air. The houses were close enough so that it seemed like one huge kitchen along their lane when everyone was cooking. In the cool evening air, John sensed a storm brewing from the east. The clouds were gathering in dark lines on the fading horizon. John loved sitting out here, waiting on his pa while everyone cooked dinner. He was lost in thought as he reflected on what might be in the chest that he and Rat found above the fish hook. He was wondering how small an amount of smoke dust they'd need to blow apart the lock without damaging whatever treasures were inside, when a breeze stirred in the air and he heard something fall behind him. He looked over his shoulder and saw a wooden spoon lying on the floor next to the fireplace where the stew was simmering. That's funny, he thought. That wasn't a strong enough gust to knock that off the mantle. John got to his feet and began walking through the doorway when he heard something out back. It sounded like they were going through the tool shed. Maybe Pa had taken the trail by Smoke Creek. Food's ready, John shouted around the corner as he went into the small living room to check on the stew. Clang! John jumped in surprise, coming down on his right foot and wincing. It still hadn't healed completely. Now he heard something rustling in the back room, his room. Every so often, a squirrel or a badger found its way into one of their houses. After all, no one bothered to shut their doors most of the time. The cool island breezes kept the rooms comfortable day and night. Squirrels and badgers didn't scare John, though. Wolves did. He knew there were a couple of packs that roamed at the eastern parts of Bowdoin and the woods beneath it, and John had always been afraid they would make their way into the village at one point or another, and now they had. John crept slowly towards the mantle and grabbed the fishing knife that hung there. He tiptoed towards his room and could feel his heart pumping in his chest faster and faster. Sure enough, as he inched closer and closer, he heard snarling, guttural noises coming from the room as the wolf clawed through his clothes. No telling what it was doing or destroying. John felt a bead of sweat trickle down the bridge of his nose and looked at the knife in his hand. His knuckles turned white as his grip tightened. Just as he neared the doorway, he saw movement out of the corner of his eye. He looked over his shoulder back towards the front of the house, and then swung his gaze back towards his room. Boom! John screamed in fright. Something slammed against the outside wall of the house right beside him. Through the small window, he thought he saw a dark, disfigured head just before he threw himself back against the wall. Before he could pull himself up, another figure emerged in the doorway to his room. It was no wolf. It was more human than beast, and it stood on two long, slender legs, but its skin was pale and slimy and faintly smelled of rotting fish. It was clothed in ratty clothes that didn't fit quite right, and John thought he saw seaweed sticking out from its sleeves. The creature reached a scaly hand with sharp, sinister-looking claws out towards John as he lay on the ground, stunned. He had no time to think. 
Acting purely on impulse, he slashed out with the knife and sliced at the creature's outstretched claw. It let out a piercing, horrible scream from deep within its soggy chest and recoiled from John. John was almost as startled by the fact that he had actually hit the beast as he was by the noise. He yanked himself up to his feet before the creature could recover and ran out the front door. As he launched out the doorway and onto the porch, another creature, this one a little shorter, stepped into his path. They collided and John felt its spongy, wet body tremble as he tackled the creature and fell down on top of it. John rolled off the second one and grabbed the knife that had fallen when he hit the ground. He was glad he didn't stab himself in the fall. The sun was making its way down, and just before he yelled for help, he realized there was no one nearby that could help. His pa's friends that lived closest were likely either on the docks or at the fishhook, which left their unarmed wives and children at home. John didn't want anyone else to get hurt, so he took off running, hoping he could make it to the docks before the creatures overtook him. He heard them behind him, communicating with each other in slurred, clicking speech, and then they both screamed that awful howling scream again. Surely someone else heard them, but John didn't have time to think about that, because they were now chasing after him, plodding behind him in long, wet strides. It sounded like they were splashing through puddles at every step, but the ground was dry. John rounded the corner by Rat's house. He hadn't meant to come this way. But he'd made that run so many times, his legs had automatically carried him by his best friend's house. He shook his head. He didn't want to involve Rat in this. But much to John's dismay, just as he ran past Rat's porch, Rat was coming out the front door. John! Rat hopped down to the ground as John shot by. Wait up! Did you hear those screams? What was that? Rat matched John's pace quickly. Normally John was much faster, but with his bum ankle, Rat had no trouble keeping up. Get back inside, rat, John tried, but he should have known better, and it was too late anyway. The creatures rounded the corner and screamed again. Rat looked back, and his eyes widened in shock. It was Rat's turn to scream. Large raindrops began to fall. The boys could see the creatures more clearly now. Both were taller than the tallest man in the village, and everywhere they weren't covered by brown ragged clothes, the boys could see scaly, slimy, and slightly translucent skin in the dusk light. They wore no shoes, but instead ran towards John and Rat on large, thin, webbed feet that ended in sharp, pointy claws like their hands. They looked more suited to swimming than running, and John thought that was the only thing keeping them from catching up with the boys. What? What are they? Rat stammered as he and John frantically ran on. No idea. John grabbed Rat's sleeve and pulled him into the alley between the tanners and one of Baru's storehouses. Shh. John held his finger to his lips to hush Rat. We can lose them back here. Where are we going? Rat whispered. Fishhook. That's where Pa was meeting Abram. What are those monsters? John could tell Rat was trying very hard to keep it together. His jaw was locked and his eyes were pinched. His face threatened to collapse into total meltdown. I have no idea, Rat, but if anyone can help, it's Abram. He's been everywhere. He'll know what to do. We just have to make it to the fishhook. Rat looked doubtful and a roll of thunder added to his worry. We're almost there. John gave Rat a little push to get him going. There was a haphazard maze of buildings, shacks, storehouses, and storefronts in this section of the docks' trading grounds, and the boys had often taken refuge among the many nooks and crannies between buildings. He whispered, Besides, I think we may have lost the fish faces. I don't hear them anymore. As if in response, one of the creatures let out an agitated scream. It was farther down the street that they had been on. See, said John, it worked. 
They kept going. A second scream rang out, this time on the other side of the boys. The monsters had split up. Another scream and a brittle scraping sound cut the air again, this time closer than before. John, Rat began, lip trembling. Run for it, John yelled and took off the last few blocks to the fish hook. Rat followed after him. They turned into the last alley that would take them to the wharf lane. From there it was a straight shot to the fish hook. As soon as they entered the alley, though, they both pulled up short. John winced as pain shot up from his ankle. There, at the other end of the alley, silhouetted against the ocean sky behind, was one of the monsters. A shrill screech that sounded right behind them erased any thought of running back the way they came. They were trapped. Take this, John said as he handed the pitifully small fishing knife to Rat. He knew that while it had bought him enough time to get out of the house, it would do very little against one of the creatures now. He could hear the sloshing footsteps behind them getting closer to the mouth of the alley they just came through. The figure in front of them began to move forward slowly. John clenched his fists together and backed up. He and Rat were back to back in the alley. The light was almost entirely gone now, and the first drops of rain began to fall as they braced their bodies and nerves for what was coming. The wind howled through the alleyway with a long, shrill, whistling sound, and as if waiting on that signal, the creature that John faced began to move faster. Lightning shot through the clouds high overhead, and John saw the beast in front of him stop and look over its shoulder before continuing towards them. It was too dark to see if it carried a weapon, but John felt defenseless now that he'd given his knife to Rat. A crack of thunder made each of the boys flinch. John frantically looked up at the walls to either side, hoping, praying for an escape that he'd missed before. John, stammered Rat, what do I do? Rat, usually confident in his island mischief, was clearly terrified. The creature was still sloshing toward him, now only twenty feet away. Streams of water running over the scales of translucent skin. It brought itself up to its full height, and two flaps of flesh pulsed out from either side of its head like gills. It screamed and shook its head side to side. Rat screamed back, adrenaline coursing through him. Come on, I'll cut you! Ah! His voice cracked as he tried to sound menacing, and he choked on his own scream. The beast lunged at him, and he brought his arm up. John, get down! A deep voice boomed. What? John was confused. Down! The voice was coming from a figure in front of him. The robed silhouette dashed forward and swiped one arm at John and Rat and raised the other in the air as thunder shook the ground once more. John and Rat fell to the side. A torrent of sound filled their ears as the air between the buildings was sucked towards the voice with tornadic force. John clutched his head. It was throbbing and he could hardly think. All was still for one moment. Then the figure gestured toward them and a fury of wind shot past them and took the wet walker off its feet. It was flung up and back like a rag doll, and it landed twisted and unmoving. The pressure between John's ears was released as quickly as it had come on. John remained crouched, paralyzed. He stared vacantly towards where the monster had been and then realized he was holding his breath. He inhaled deeply and slowly he regained his bearings. The boys looked up at their rescuer. He was nearly as tall as the walkers, and it was easy to see how they mistook him at first, though he was dressed in a long, dark robe and his skin seemed quite normal. He carried a staff that was taller than he was, and John saw the gleam of a large, smooth stone at the top of the staff. It shimmered in the dim evening light. Quickly, with me, boys, he said in a voice that left no room for questions. 
They rose, still startled, and ran after him. There were two of them, John said after the shock of what had just happened died down enough for him to speak. Without looking back, the robe man nodded in agreement. And the other shan't be far behind. Surely it sensed my weavings. He stopped suddenly and looked back at the boys. He was hooded, and they saw only the shimmer of his eyes and the faint flicker of lightning overhead. And when he spoke again, they hung on every word. Boys, understand this. We are in more danger than you can possibly imagine. I had hoped to reach you sooner, but it cannot be helped now. Those two tidewalkers were the first of many, and I cannot guarantee that there are not other more dreadful things in store for us. Thunder rolled overhead, and the rain poured on them. John wished that he had a cloak to pull over his head. Rat looked as miserable as he felt as they both stood, awaiting instruction from the visitor. You must not hesitate to follow my instruction, he went on. A moment's hesitation could be your doom, and the next time I say, get down immediately, understand? His eyes shone from underneath the hood, and John looked away. Yes, sir, the boy said in grave tones. Good, he replied. Now we must hurry. As he turned, John saw the corner of his mouth turn up in a grin. He's excited, thought John. How's he not scared to death? John couldn't understand the events that were happening, but he followed the strange visitor nonetheless. What choice did he have? As they set off, it was clear that they were still en route to the fish hook. John just hoped that his pa was still there and hadn't been caught up in the storm with the tidewalkers. Rat's enthusiasm was returning now that they were in good company, and as they jogged to keep up with the robe man, he turned to John and whispered, John, that was magic back there. Magic. I mean, what else could it have been? His eyes were wide, and John saw the excitement behind them. What does this mean? Why, why was that thing, those things, after you? Rat was out of breath, but growing more and more excited as they went on. I have no idea, was all that John could muster. He was still startled from their close call in the alley, not to mention his really close call at home. The rain was falling in sheets now, and the winds were rising again. Storms these days on Labrie came suddenly and with great force. John thought of the wind castle back behind the village and wondered when it was used last. They came to the shelter of the fish hook and shook themselves off while standing under the porch's overhanging roof. Opening the door, the man gestured for the boys to enter, and once they had, he closed the door behind them. There was a fire blazing, and the two men standing in front of it looked back when they heard the three enter. A kettle was being heated above the fire, and the aroma of spiced tea filled the large room. John, thank goodness, his pa said as he hurried towards him. They embraced, and his pa looked at the three of them. Are you okay? he asked. When he nodded, he smiled. Come, warm yourselves. We don't have long. Abram had moved away from the fire and was speaking quietly with the strange man, who looked much less menacing now that he'd let his hood down and was not using magic spells to battle walking nightmares. John and Rat held out their hands toward the flames and soaked in their warmth. Rowan! Abram said. Farewell, my friend. I hope to see you soon. Abram looked distraught, and the lines on his forehead made John worry. If the wind wills it, my friend, Rowan smiled a moment but grew grave once more. The two men embraced, and Abram looked at John and Rat before leaving. The winds blew the rain into the fish hook as the heavy door swung open and shut again. What's going on? John said. Where's Abram going? Doesn't he know it's too dangerous out there? John looked up at his pa, searching to understand the events of the evening. Pa? Rowan's gaze had fallen, and he was looking into the fire now. 
A pained expression was on his face, and John was about to ask what was wrong when a voice behind interrupted his thoughts. It's time you told him, he said. It has begun. Rowan turned around and snapped at the figure. I know. What's he talking about, Pa? Who is he? John asked frantically. He was growing worried again, and the fears from the Tidewalker's attacks were returning. Rowan stared intently into the fire. He opened his mouth and then closed it again. Baru appeared from the back room and signaled for Rat to come to him. Bring that kettle, boy, he said in a raspy voice. Rat did as he was bid and accepted a tanker of the tea after Baru poured it for him. Why don't you leave those two alone for now, suggested Baru. Rat shrugged and took a sip of tea. Baru's brute was the best in Labrie. Rat sat at the bar and looked at the contents of the shells behind Baru. A peal of thunder caused him to wince. He spilled a bit of the tea and wiped it quickly off the counter with his sleeve. You need something to eat, lad? asked Baru, leaning on the counter. No, Rat said. Then, no, sir. Baru smiled. Very well. He turned and went to the room in the back. Rat turned around on the stool and looked at his friend, talking with his father. They looked very serious. It seemed like John was close to tears. The night's action must have been too much for him, Rat thought, forgetting about his own stammering, near-death experience and how close to tears he'd been in the alley. The robed man was looking out the slot in the door when he suddenly closed the slot and cracked the door open. I'll be right back, Rowan. We're safe for a moment, but I can't keep us hidden much longer. It's too costly. We have five, maybe ten minutes before we'll have to move. At that, he slipped out onto the porch, making hardly a sound as he shut the door behind him. Rat's eyes went back and forth between the door and the fireplace, 